No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where two army commanders of King Ishbosheth murder him and bring his head to David to help him become king of Israel. But the reward they receive is not what they expect. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in 2 Samuel chapter 4 on Simply the Bible. If God puts something on your heart or reveals to you his calling on your life, it can be difficult to wait for him to bring it about. God's promises can actually test us. Will we trust in the Lord and wait for him to do it? Or will we take matters into our own hands? David was continually tested in this as he waited on the Lord to make him king over Israel. We continue today in 2 Samuel chapter 4. When Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart and all Israel was troubled. When Ishbosheth had spoken to his general Abner about having sexual relations with his father Saul's concubine, and Abner became so incensed that he promised to give Israel to David, Ishbosheth must have felt betrayed. Abner had been a good friend who had established Ishbosheth on the throne of Israel, and Abner was a strong leader, much stronger, in fact, than Ishbosheth. Abner spoke to the elders of Israel about making David their king and then went to David to make a covenant, but he never returned. Then Ishbosheth and all Israel heard that Abner had been murdered by David's general, Joab. All hope of Ishbosheth ever defeating David was now gone, and the entire nation was deeply troubled. What would they do now? Who would protect them from the Philistines? Now, Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The name of one was Baana, and the name of the other was Rechab, the sons of Rimmon, the Beerothite of the children of Benjamin. For Beeroth also was part of Benjamin, because the Beerothites fled to Gideon and have been sojourners there until this day. We are given a little background on these two army captains of Israel. They were from Beeroth, which had been a Gibeonite city when Joshua and the children of Israel first conquered the land of Canaan. The Gibeonites deceived Joshua into thinking that they lived far away when in fact they lived nearby in Canaan. Joshua and the elders made a peace treaty with them. And when later it was discovered that they were acting deceptively, Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the nation. Now, they were happy with this arrangement because their lives were spared. So when Joshua divided the land among the 12 tribes, the Gibeonite cities, including Beeroth, were given to Benjamin. But according to 2 Samuel 21, when King Saul was making war against the Philistines and other inhabitants of the land, he sought to wipe out the Gibeonites, thus violating the ancient treaty. God would bring a famine upon Israel during the reign of David because of what Saul had done. When David asked the Gibeonites how to make it right, 
they asked that seven of Saul's descendants be put to death. Since Baana and Rechab were Gibeonites, it is likely that they also bore a grudge against Saul and his household. Verse 4. Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel, and his nurse took him up and fled. And it happened as she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame. His name was Mephibosheth. In the panic over the Philistines defeating Israel and killing Saul and his three sons, the nurse of Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, grabbed the boy to flee for safety. In the process, he took a bad fall and became lame. David had made a covenant with Jonathan that when he became king, he would never cut off kindness from Jonathan's descendants. David would be true to his word. And as we shall see, a beautiful relationship would form between David and Mephibosheth. Then the sons of Rimmon, the Beerothite, Rechab and Baana set out and came at about the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on his bed at noon. And they came there all the way into the house as though to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Baana, his brother, escaped. For when they came into the house, he was lying on his bed in his bedroom. Then they struck him and killed him, beheaded him, and took his head and were all night escaping through the plain. While Ishbosheth enjoyed a siesta at noon, these two brothers brutally murdered and beheaded their king. Their plan was to take his head to David as proof that his rival had now been eliminated. They probably thought that they would receive a reward and perhaps an exalted position in David's new kingdom. But it wasn't going to work out that way. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. And the Lord has avenged my lord the king this day of Saul and his descendants. It's interesting how they blame their actions on the Lord. How many people do evil things and then blame God for the outcome? Many people become bitter against God because of their lot in life. But the truth is, they are the sum total of the choices they've made. God gives us his word so that we may live by it and enjoy its benefits. But David answered Rechab and Baana, his brother, the sons of Rimmon, the Beerothite, and said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversity, when someone told me, saying, Look, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziklag, the one who thought I would give him a reward for his news. How much more, when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore, shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth? David said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversity. David had come to that vista point in life where he could look back and see all that God had done for him. He saw how the Lord anointed him when he was a teenager and gave him victory over Goliath and the Philistines. He saw how the Lord protected him from Saul for over 10 years as Saul hunted him down to kill him. 
He rejoiced when God made him king over Judah. God had always been faithful to redeem his life from every adversity and trouble. The Apostle Paul would come to the same conclusion. He wrote in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. Not only does God deliver us from adversity, he also leads us in triumph. Therefore, because God had been faithful to David, David would be faithful to God. He resisted a power grab. He would not raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. He would not take matters into his own hands. As God had delivered him from all adversity, David also trusted God to work out his plans for his life. If God wanted him to be king, then God would make it happen in his time and his way. David could rest in the Lord. But if God was going to make David king, then David would be a just king and punish evildoers. As he executed the Amalekite, who claimed to euthanize Saul, so David would now execute these two men who murdered Ishbosheth while he was sleeping in his bed. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And we read in Micah 6.8, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. David was proving to be a just and righteous king. So David commanded his young men, and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. Their bodies were displayed as a reminder to other would-be assassins. And it also told everyone that David would take no shortcuts to the throne. He was content to leave it to the Lord. Chapter 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are your bone and your flesh. Also in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was thirty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned forty years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. The people of Israel were watching David for quite some time. After Saul died, David reigned in Hebron over Judah for seven and a half years. But Ishbosheth only reigned over Israel for two years before he was murdered. So, what was going on for the next five and a half years until David began reigning over Israel. The people of Israel were watching David and considering the words of the Lord. It took them time to decide to make David their king. They realized that David was their brother Israelite, and in the past David had led their troops out to battle against the Philistines and brought them back victorious. They knew that the Lord had spoken through Samuel, saying that David would shepherd his people Israel. 
They had seen the kingdom of Judah grow stronger while their own kingdom of Israel grew weaker under Ishbosheth's reign. And for five and a half years they had no king. Therefore the elders resolved to make David their ruler and they made a covenant with him and anointed him king over Israel. What strikes me about this is David's patience in waiting for God to bring the kingdom to him. He didn't try to force it. Knowing that it was God's will for him to rule over all Israel, he didn't try to help God out. He didn't step ahead of him. He knew that what God had promised, God had the ability to perform. I wish I could be more like that. On many occasions, I have tried to help God out and gotten ahead of him. It comes down to my own impatience. But when I have trusted in the Lord, realizing that it is His work and His church, and simply waited for Him to go before me and give me the grace to do what He's called me to do, I have been overwhelmed with the results. David had learned this lesson at a relatively young age. He was 30 years old when he began to reign in Hebron and 37 when Israel anointed him to be their king. It was a long wait, but so much more satisfying knowing that God gave him the kingdom and he didn't make it happen himself. My hope is that we could all learn this valuable lesson. You've been listening to Simply the Bible. The Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Tomorrow, we'll see that David's first act after becoming king of all Israel is to conquer Jerusalem and build his house there. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of 2 Samuel on Simply the Bible.